0: Hey everyone, this is Natalie Ivey. And in today's show, I'm gonna discuss how to assess credibility of interviewees, especially in the proverbial, he said, she said investigations, when a complainant and the subject have very different stories. This is another
1: must tune in podcast. Welcome to the HR Investigations podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey. An HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations A Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie.
0: Hey, welcome everybody to the show. I'm Natalie Ivey, and uh, I am really happy to have you with me today. Uh, I've been away from uh, doing podcasts for a little while, uh, but I'm really glad to be back. And uh, today's topic is how to assess complainant witness and subject credibility in HR investigations. And uh, this has really been a hot topic. I've um, had some conversation recently with some HR professionals and a few folks uh, mixed in there in employee relations, and they said, Natalie, we really struggle with really trying to figure it out especially when we have those proverbial he said she said kind of investigations i said well i do understand that and from my experience and i've been doing this a long time is that the more you investigate the better you start honing your skills less and less will you have the inconclusive cases truly because you get better at the assessment of the credibility but let's um let's kind of focus on what our job is when we are conducting investigations. And then I'm gonna drill down specifically on the factors that you wanna use in really assessing the credibility. All right. What you have to keep in mind, your job is to come to a well-reasoned conclusion. And that means you're you're gathering facts and really both sides of the story. Sometimes there are multiple sides of a story, as you all know, but um you're really weighing the evidence based on the preponderance of the evidence, right? Preponderance of it. And, you know, this is not like a homicide type of investigation here. You know, we aren't necessarily going to have the proverbial smoking gun that you see on, uh, you know, TV shows. Um, But what we're doing is looking at what did the complainant tell us? What were the allegations And then the person who is, uh, or persons, maybe multiple subjects, but generally it's going to be one subject who's the person accused of the wrongdoing. Um, What is their side of the story? And where are the things that line up? You know, in other words, is there any alignment between what the uh, allegations are and the facts that the uh, complainant had shared um, and what the subject's response is? And I mean, that's really what we're doing. But sometimes investigators really struggle when you, know, you have just polar opposite explanations of a particular incident that may have involved some misconduct. So let's walk through what our guidance is from the EEOC. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, that is the, EEO, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And it's their responsibility to investigate any allegations of harassment or discrimination, retaliation, um, and things like Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, where race, color, sex, religion, and national origin are protected characteristics. They also enforce the Americans with Disabilities Act, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, uh, the Equal Pay Act, and so on. And so using their guidance, the first thing that we have to consider is inherent plausibility. In other words, is the testimony believable? Does it make sense? So if I'm doing the intake with a complainant, And they're kind of a little bit all over the place. And I've had that where they they sort of move from one incident to another, to another. You got to stop and redirect the interview and stay focused, really focus on the chronological order of some events. And you've got to get dates, times and details. You'll hear me say that probably in every single one of my podcasts, because those are the fundamentals of being a good investigator. You got to nail down the details. The other thing is when they're sharing the information with you, is it logical? you know the time of day and where something took place is it logical um i mean sometimes people will really think that they're they're being crafty and they fraudulently misrepresent uh an allegation just to try to weaponize the investigation process to literally get somebody else in trouble which to try to get them fired in some cases um and so there are those kind of ruthless individuals out there that use this process so Um, you've got to really ask yourself, does it make sense what they're telling you? Uh, So if it took place, uh, let's say an incident involving perhaps sexual harassment, would the person who is the perpetrator actually have access to that part of the building? You see what I mean? Would that make sense? Would there be any plausible explanation as to why the subject would have been in that part of the building at that time? And you see things like that. And also um, demeanor. Did the person seem to be telling the truth or lying? Well, now that's really sometimes kind of difficult to figure out, but let's focus on a few key things to look for. Was this person really frustrated to the point where they are so angry and they really want the subject to be fired? I mean, like a level of vitriol, you know? (laughs) Hmm, why? Why are they so fired up about this and and coming across with that level of aggression that usually makes me a little bit suspicious um and it's not that um you know it it couldn't happen but what i will say is when you have an allegation especially something like harassment um you're generally not going to have that usually there's some other kind of backdrop to the story here and it could be that there's been a performance conversation, especially if the allegation is being made against a supervisor. Um, it could be that there's been a relationship that uh, has has soured. And this could be, um, you know, let's say it's a female who uh, was involved in a relationship, well, let's say with a male, and uh, that old saying kind of a woman scorned, right? That, that may come to mind. And I've had cases like that over the years. Um, specifically one individual who was just so frustrated that a manager just would not return her affections and really tried to set him up for sexual harassment. And luckily, we didn't substantiate her allegations, of course. Uh, but what we did substantiate is that she made a complaint in bad faith. <laughs> and uh, it subsequently led to her separation of employment, and rightfully so. And you know, that's the kind of stuff that can destroy people's careers. And when you're being fraudulent in what you're doing, uh, that sh- that's definitely conduct that should be held accountable to include separation of employment. Um, but when you're looking at the demeanor, you also want to look at how did they present the information? Um, Do they have information that backs it up? Very recently, I had a case uh, in which uh, a complainant had specific emails that came from the subject. So even though there were no witnesses to an incident that was a sexual harassment incident in which he made some overt advances toward her, um, what she did have were emails that he had sent her um, with some comments that definitely were not of a professional nature. Let's just say that, right? So um, even though she, again, doesn't have any other witnesses that can give eyewitness testimony, she does have some other things that could back that up, all right? Um, And so motive to falsify, what is a person's reason to lie? Well, I can tell you one big reason for a subject to lie is that they don't wanna lose their job. And um, it could be that um, also a complainant, what is their reason to lie? Well, if they know they're on their final last and final warning and one more misstep, they're out the door and going to lose the job. I've definitely seen situations. Uh, One case I had with a woman who had had her second poor performance review in a row, uh, annual review, she was already now moving to a performance improvement plan. Suddenly now the allegations came in uh, against her supervisor And she was alleging that he was sexually harassing her and for quite some time. Um, Well, What was her motive? Well, yeah, she's trying to save her own skin. Right. So look for any kind of performance action that has taken place in a relatively short period of time before the complaint has been made. Now, does that automatically mean the complainant is producing this complaint in bad faith? It isn't. But nevertheless, these are factors that you are considering in your credibility assessment. And then, of course, corroboration. Um, It could be that you may have what's called a contemporaneous witness. Uh, You don't necessarily have, when you take the intake from a complainant, that there were any other witnesses that were in the room or even in the vicinity at the time something happened. However, what you could ask is a question like this. Well, complainant, can you please tell me who you interacted with? at the office shortly after this, perhaps within 10 or 15 minutes of the incident. So even though a person wasn't physically there. They can't give eyewitness testimony, but what they could speak to is what we were just discussing, which is demeanor. And this person that the complainant maybe even bumped into, maybe walked into uh, the lunchroom and was going to get a cup of coffee and seemed a bit flustered or a little befuddled after uh, maybe a harassment uh, scenario, right? So, what you can do is at least accumulate small little details that start to create support for one party or another. In this case, maybe the complainant, where the complainant was really very candid in the allegation, um, but just doesn't have any other witnesses to back it up. Well, if you can bring in uh, someone who was in the vicinity about that time, they could speak to that person's demeanor. Well, now the scales just tip just a little bit more on the side of the complainant's statement. right? And then lastly, past record. What you want to do is take a look at your case management system. And by the way, I'm a really big fan of having a case management system using software to really manage your cases because you could just go right into your system and very quickly run a query, see if the subject's name has come up in previous investigations. I'll tell you, that's a big way to really poke holes in someone's credibility. Um, You know, if you have a case Uh, in which uh, maybe similar conduct was alleged, misconduct, if you will, let's say three other times and the subject's name, let's say, um, you know, Joe Smith, just to pick a random name. Let's say Joe Smith's name has come up three different times and there were three different allegations of harassment and three people who don't know each other over the last 18 months but each of the allegations had some very interesting phrases or words that were used by the subject. Okay. What are the odds of these three people who have been complainants that don't know each other, that maybe even work in different places, all using the same phrases? You see what I'm saying? That's the kind of stuff that really allows you to begin connecting the dots. So even if you don't have a case management software system where you could run a query like that, Hopefully you have an Excel sheet or some sort of a database where you would be able to look up uh, someone's past record. All right, so in summary, what do you wanna do to assess credibility? Well, you wanna look at inherent plausibility. Does it make sense? Is it believable on its face? Demeanor, did the person seem to be telling the truth or lying and what are those factors that are causing you to feel that they are lying or factors that seem to be telling the truth? And a good best practice is if you can have another person in the room with you when you are investigating, that way you have another set of eyes with another investigator who is seeing the same things. And then you can also discuss credibility together. Usually working in pairs is a better strategy. Does this person have a motive to falsify? Were there any other witnesses that might've been in the vicinity that could really put the complainant, let's say in place and time, and then looking at your past record. Okay, so that brings me to the end of uh, today's podcast. I hope this has been helpful for you and uh, look forward to seeing you back at another one of our HR Investigations podcasts. Have a great one. See you next time.
1: Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.